We're continuing a series that we started on Easter, and if you'll remember, we were talking about something new, and in that, that song is just the lead-in to this uh, second part of the question that we're looking at. If you have your Bibles or your phones, go to Romans chapter 12, we're go, we will spend some time there in just a moment. It's a very popular song, and it says, will you come to your senses? And I like the last line that he, they sang twice there. You got to let somebody love you. Well, we want to tell you that the something new from last week is Jesus, and He loves you already. Before you do anything, before you straighten it up, before you clean it up, He already loves you in a complete way, more than my mind can comprehend that God loves us. Vicki and I were in student ministry. You remember, many of you remember back when I was with Hamlin. Uh, in student ministry, we spent 14 and 15 years doing student ministry, and there was a, a statement that became famous back in that time when I was doing that, that I think has proven true in my life as I've watched so many folks and teenagers grow up, and it says, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. You may have heard it. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. And what we're going to be looking at today is finding uh, the newness is finding a new partner or finding the right partner for life. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So partnering with destruction. I knew this little guy. I'm going to guess him six or seven. When Vicky and I met the family, he, was, uh, he had a, another brother or two. A mom that had gone through a divorce early on. I'm going to call him Keith. It's not his real name, but just to protect him. And I was called to do his funeral probably six months ago, 30-something. I met Keith and his mom when the kids were young, and we were started, Vicki and I had started a church down in Mount Vernon. He's a bright, uh, friendly kid. Although he came from this broken home, he felt he seemed to be relatively adjusted to his life. But thing, as he got older, as he went into middle school and then into high school, he kept, I kept watching him. He kept turning to the wrong, the wrong direction. Just kept moving in the wrong direction. Wrong friends, wrong influence in his life. He dribbled, he, he's the kind that kind of developed a rebel heart. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this in any youth group event, but rebel hearts are attracted to rebel hearts, uh, and so they, they kind of con congregated together. So they got into with that group, and that group then eventually got into substances, alcohol, that's where it began, then it moved into marijuana they were smoking, and then it went into his life deeper and deeper to where he's actually doing meth. He was in the youth group early on, kind of in and out. As it grew, as we went forward, he moved further and further out from the youth group. Became more and more angry. Just, have you ever been around it? Just more and more angry in his heart and combative. And then 25 plus years later, mom called me to do his funeral. And that's just nothing you want to ever hear. You just don't want to go through that. See, Keith had partnered with destruction. Although God's grace has come into the world to bring restoration 
and God is here for the purpose of reconciliation, there are still evil powers at work. The Bible is as clear about God as he is about the demonic, Satan and the demonic. And there are demonic powers at work on this planet. Whether you want to believe that or not believe that doesn't make it any different. They are true because God's word talks about this group of angels that rebelled behind Lucifer, who was the worship leader of heaven, and he, they were kicked out of heaven, and they, their realm is on this earth. So we fight against negative forces. Brother Paul, in his writings in Scripture, had some different names to describe maybe different aspects of this evil. Uh, I found one in Romans 6, uh, verse 2, it says this, For those who have died to sin... How can we live in it any longer? So one of, the temp, one of the things we fight is sin. It's easy for us. It's natural for us to get into sin. Rebel, and what is sin? Sin is basically missing the standards of God. Line up the Ten Commandments. And if you miss or you hit below or outside of the target of the commandment, it's a sin. We've broken the command. So that's one of the things we fight. And another thing we fight is the flesh. Is, and I believe that this is, we talked about it last week, the drives. The drives of the flesh. Uh, Paul also tells us in another place that our flesh wars against the spirit within us. There's a war that we fight trying to walk the line. Because I, I believe that the majority of the people in this room would want to and desires to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and we learn to walk in that Spirit, controlled by that Spirit. And even on our best days, we wrestle against some flesh tendencies. So flesh is another one. Death is another one. In Romans 6, 9, it says, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. What do I, I think the result of, of the fear of of this evil of death is fear. I think many of us are engaged in much more than we want to know in fear. If you just stop and evaluate the decisions that we're making on a day-to-day basis and figure out how much of that is based upon I'm afraid of something. I'm afraid if I don't. I'm a, and so fear is the driving force. Now, what I'm going to tell you about that, we're, that's fleshly, and we're prone to fear and anxiety and worry and stress. We're prone to all of that. But that wars against this walking in the Spirit. Because you've heard it before, faith and fear are opposite hands. They're the opposites. And God wants us to not live in fear, but to live upon the Word of God, what His Word says about Jesus is our Savior about God, who's our Father that loves us, that we build our life upon that. And so we have, and then one more. So I've said sin, flesh, death. Give you one more. The pattern of this world. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, what is this thing called the pattern of the world? I would, I'm going to suggest to you potentially two major concepts that make up the pattern of this world. Okay, stay with me on this. The first one is the pattern of earthly, 
earthly relationship is conditional love. That says, I will love you if you do this. I'll love you if you do this. And we say, well, yeah, that's just kind of normal. But that's the, that's the pattern of this world is a conditional love because just on the, you flip that coin over and it also says, if you don't do it, I'm not going to love you, right? So it's very tenuous, this, this thing called love on the earth. It's a performance-based relationship and it becomes very uncertain if we ever not perform well. And that makes us fearful, whether we know it or not. The other concept that I believe goes into the pattern of this world is dog-eat-dog. You've heard that from the beginning. And it's the animal kingdom survival mentality. So that's of this world. In other words, the pattern of this world is that I, I'm, you must decrease so that I can increase. And if you know anything about the kingdom of God's plan, Mike, you told me about it just a minute ago. The kingdom of God's plan, if you want to become greater in His kingdom, where do you go? Lo, you become the servant. And Jesus was the model. You become the servant of all. So that's conditional love and uh, dog-eat-dog. So what are we going to partner with? This young man I told you about partnered with the things of the world. Bright kid, uh, great promise, great opportunity for his life and just uh, the enemy won, is all I can tell you. The enemy won in his life. And destroyed him. Because I want to give you the other option. You can either partner with evil. Or you can partner with God. We're talking about finding something new. Today we're talking about finding a partnership with your life. That can give you what you're looking for. What you're longing for in your heart. Choosing to partner with God is this. We have to learn to walk in a new kind of life. Not the pattern of the world. Not conditional love. Does you see what that means? If we're not doing conditional love, that means I have to develop the same love that God has for me, which is unconditional. So that means when I treat people, I meet people, and I spend time or relate with people, I have to take a position of loving them. That's a choice, and it's an attitude, and it's an action. And what if they're weird? And what if you don't like them? What if they look different, smell different? Well, if we are to walk in a newness of life, we have to walk with an unconditional love. Because the thing, the script, Jesus says the main thing that will cause the lost man of the world to come to Jesus is they'll see the love that, they, that the brothers have. They'll see the love of the sisters. That's unconditional. You don't have to perform for me. I love you. Because I've been loved, and I'm unlovable, but I've been loved unconditionally. <clears throat> we have to partner with God. A new life, walking with God, means three things here. Walk in resurrection power. We talked about resurrection and celebrated yes, uh, last week. I think there were 520 some odd people that worshipped with us last week. That's pretty awesome. It is a God-given power to overcome flesh and the pattern of this world. Resurrection power is when we repent of our sin and receive God within our life to take over our life. He gives us a power to give us over power over that flesh, 
over death, over the things that we war against. He gives us the power. And we says we must walk in a newness of life, a new kind of life. It's like Jesus was after he defeated death and was resurrected. See, death is the greatest enemy the world has ever thrown at us. The fear of death. I think the fear of death is the motivator for most of, the, of our life being controlled by fear. But when we have resurrection power, the fear of death is gone. It is to be gone for us. For us to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Now we, don't, we, don't, we hate to see people die. We hate to go through that grieving process. But if those people know the Lord, they didn't die they just went from here to heaven. They went here from, from earth to life in the presence of God. So that is our hope. When we know that, then hopefully if we get that in our, in our hearts, we don't have to live with all kinds of fear. Because if I face death, that's my benefit, Paul says. For me to stay here is for Christ. For me to die is my gain. And once you get that, maybe that fear could be subsided and put behind us so we're no longer living in fear I here's what I believe fear makes me live in defense always swerving and missing the punches but when you get free from the fear of death you go from defense to offense you're no longer fearful of what can come at you now you have the faith to walk in in, uh, in the offense, in going forward, taking the message of Christ, living for the cause of Christ, loving people that other religious people don't like. And you could love them because you've been loved. And you can also walk, this new kind of life means walking in reconciliation and restoration. What's the purpose of Jesus? He came to seek and save that which is lost. He came to reconcile us from our mess in a right relationship with God. So, what does that do for us? That's our job now. We're not Jesus, but we're to get them to Jesus. Reconcile wherever people are, and they'll, they'll walk with you if you love them. Do you hear me? They'll walk with you if you love them. They'll come to church with you if you love them. That's the only reason they won't. Most folks won't come into the house of God because they're afraid they're going to be judged. And I know that's a denemy. Uh, the enemy has put a lot of that in people's thoughts, but I hope that none of us were ever a part of causing that because I sure don't want to be that person. Walking in reconcil uh, reconciliation and restoration. You know what we have to remove if we're going to walk in that? Judgmentalism. We have to remove it. We're not good at removing it. Can I be honest with you? Because we're always looking, evaluating, and judging just by survival. But if we're going to have an unconditional love for people, we've got to learn to get that, kill that part of us so that we can see the God design in the people that we see. We can find their or they're weird or they're quirky or whatever, well, then they probably are designed specifically in the purposes of the kingdom for a specific reason. You see, the body of Christ is made up of a vast variety of different types of people, gifts and talents and abilities. We don't have to look the same. 
we can be who God created us to be. And, he, and, and Fraser said it, he loves us. He loves you. Even if your performance stinks, he loves you. See, the result of partnering with God is that we represent Jesus. As scripture says that. We are ambassadors. That means, you know what an ambassador is, right? It's a guy or gal that leaves her home country to go live in a foreign country to represent the home country. So you are an ambassador on earth. You are, this is not your country. If you've come to the cause of Christ, you are of a different kingdom now. It's not the kingdom of the Republican Democratic Party. It is the kingdom of God. And we, we are to represent Him here. Here's broken. Have you noticed? It's broken. I may be getting old, but it seems to be more and more broken. Darker and darker, uh, coming in like a flood. Well, we're not to run, we're not to hide, we're not to get inside the walls of the church and, and cover ourselves. We're to be the light of Christ, because what are they going to do to you? Kill you? That's the worst. Then you go to heaven, remember? No fear. No fear. We go out in the authority and the power of Christ. We represent Him. We are also instruments of God's use. We're no longer striving to merely uh, survive on a planet Earth. Here's where the offense comes in. And when I say offense, I'm not talking about you're offended. I'm talking about sports. When you're on offense, you're going toward the goal. When you're on defense, you're trying to stop what they're doing. The Lord says, I need the, my believers to stop living in defense and get out on the offense. Take the message in the hope of Christ. We've become tools, instruments in God's hand. And you know what? You have supernatural abilities. We say that, but I don't know that we believe it. We have supernatural kingdom of God above our realm. See, the God that we serve, I think, I think there's a chance we may know 1% of the God that we serve. I think that's a chance. He says His ways are not our ways. He said His thoughts are not our thoughts. Have you ever stopped to think about that? This God we serve, we, in all of our studies, and we have some great teachers here breaking the Word of God, in all of that study, there's a real good chance we know just a small part of this God. He is so massive. He's beyond, he's beyond any of our thoughts. And He says in His Word, I want to give, I am giving you gifts. You become a gift to the body of Christ. I told you to go to Romans 12. Let's look at that now for just a moment. I want to show you what he says in here about this, these gifts. I'm going to start in verse 3 of chapter 12. When we get down to the bottom of these, you, you might want to mark some of these. And I may just ask you, are you one of those? And if you, I may have you raise your hand if you think you're one of these gifts. Because there should be all of these out here. Should be represented by all these. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Who gave you your faith? 
God? Did he distribute it to you? Do you think there's different levels of faith distributed by God? It kind of seems like he says that right here. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we, though, though many, form one body, and each member, look at this, belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. How many of you believe that you may have a gifting of prophecy? Proclaiming truth. Standing for black and white truth of the word of God. Good. I probably saw ten hands there. If it is faith, uh, I know, prophesy with faith. If it is serving, then serve. How many of you believe your motivation is serving in areas of ministry? Okay. Quite a lot here. If it's teaching, teach. How many of you feel like you've been gifted with teaching? If it's encouraging, if it's to encourage, then give with great encouragement. How many of you are exhorters, encouragers? Good. I hope you're kind of looking around to see how this is distributed out among the body. If it's giving, give generously. People don't usually want to raise their hand on that. But we have some great givers in this body of Christ. If it's to lead, do it diligently. How many of you have the gift of leadership? Okay, seven or eight. They're good. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. How many of you have the gift of mercy? Sense of feeling. You know what people are feeling. Okay, good. Did, I don't know if you looked around. There was a distribution of giftings throughout the body of Christ. Some of you may not know what your gifting is, but you have one if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You have been given a gift of which is, which is to be used within the body. Did you hear what it said in that verse? That my gift belongs to you and your gift belongs to me across the body of Christ. We belong to each other. We make up the body of Christ. All right. How do we get this place of walking in a new life? I'm going to do this quick first. Believe that Jesus is your Savior and Master. I'm going to go back to uh, fundamental right here. So be with, give me a moment if you're further down the road than fundam fundamental. But if you want to be partnering with God, the first thing that you have to do is have a personal relationship with Jesus where you must come to Him. And Paul gave us some scriptures in Romans and told us all of us have sinned, everybody. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We cannot reach it. And he also goes on to say that the wages, the earnings of that condition is death. That we deserve physical death. We should be afraid. And I will tell you this. If you're here today and do not know the Lord Jesus, I would tell you, you should be afraid. Because if you're living life without him, I feel like that's an aimless living but if you face death without him, that is horrendous because the Bible talks about a place called hell. Death and hell. And then in Romans 10, 9, it says this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you 
will be saved. For it is with your heart you believe and are made right, justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Then down to verse 13 it says this. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. But you might be saying, well, that's for everybody that's good. No, this is for all of us that's bad. And we all fit that category. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, give you two or three things here. Put off your old self. You first have to get Christ in your heart. Second, put off your old self. Boy, this is a struggle. You know when you go to counseling? You know why you're going to counseling? You got a lot of your old self on. You're trying to get it off. The old self is what holds us like a, like a anchor back here. When the Lord calls us to be set free from our sin. When we receive Christ into our heart, we're forgiven. And the chains that bound us to our sin and to, now listen, our, the abuses of other people to us. Because that happens a lot. In this room, more than likely, one out of every five women in this room have been sexually molested at some point. It's usually true, one out of seven guys in this room have gone through some form of sexual molestation. So what I'm telling you is, the Lord, when He set us free, He didn't just set us free from our sin. He set us free from the condemnation that comes upon us because of others' sin. And it's to be left behind us. Ephesians, I'm not going to read it, but you put off your old self. Listen, here's what he says in Ephesians 4, 25 and forward. Put off falsehood, speak what's true. Put off your foul temper, put on spiritual fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Put off entitlement, put on employment. He says, get up, go to work, provide. Don't wait for somebody else to provide for you. This is a principle. Take care of yourself in such a way that you have enough in order to help other people out. That's, what, that's the plan of Scripture here. Put off unwholesome talk. That means if you're around a group of people and it's unwholesome, stop it. Get out of it. Don't be a source of it. Don't be a part of it. Put on blessing speaking. Speak life into people's lives. You know, you come up on a situation at work and there's these two people talking badly about this other person. Come up there, walk up to them and just say, you know what, I see this greatness in that person. You speak life, you speak blessing, you're representing the kingdom of God. It says, put off rage, put on kindness. Boy, wouldn't that be sweet on this earth? Put on kindness. Put off immorality. Put on sex within marriage. The third thing he says, not only first of all, Get rid of Jesus in your heart. Second thing, you got to put off some of the old man stuff. Third thing is count yourself dead to sin. Romans eleven six. Count yourselves dead to sin. Draw a line in the sand. And everything that was behind that up into that line is a part of your old life, the sin life. He says, put it behind you because you have been given a power within. I don't, the scripture never says that the temptations are removed. He says you've been given a power to walk out of those temptations. I've always said if you can avoid the heat of the initial temptation and walk 
give yourself a few minutes there to walk out of it, you'll walk out of it. It's when you get stuck in that heat and then you turn back, you're going to go back. So you, but we have the power of the Holy Spirit, resurrection power to walk out of that. And so that's our goal. Philippians 3.13 says this, forgetting what is behind and straining for what is ahead. Fourth thing, and I'm going to close. Count yourselves alive to God. Ephesians 4.23. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. If, listen, you're forgiven of all your sin, and you are, it's already paid for. If the grace of Jesus set you free, if that's true in you, if the Holy Spirit now lives inside of you, this body, this temple that He's given us, then He says, start counting yourself alive to God. A lot of this is putting behind us the death, but we also have to start thinking what is before us. There's a passage that I use in my life a lot of times. It's Philippians 3.12 and it says this, I press on to take hold for that which Christ took hold of me. Think about it just a moment. Why did Christ take hold of you? Well, He loves you. He wants to spend eternity with you. But He also took hold of you for a purpose within the kingdom of God while you're here. So what do you do? You take a hold of what God put in you to take that the reason He took hold of you. Take a hold of it and go forward with it. But one thing I do, listen, He says, forgetting what is behind, that's an important step one, mark it down. I've got to let this go. So many people that I talk to in counseling sessions, the only reason we're meeting is because they have not been able to let that go. Let it go. You've been forgiven, forgive yourself. It's okay, you can be forgiven, you can forgive yourself. Well, it's been done to me. Well, forgive them. Well, I don't want them to, well, you're not going to change them. Let God deal with them. You just forgive them so you're free. Now, you're the lines here and we're going to press on to this high calling of Jesus Christ. To the goal to win the prize for which God called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Pressing on. We're the body of Christ, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't get any better than this. Look around, you're pretty awesome. We're the body of Christ. There's not a second better option out there. There's not even a plan B or a plan C for the work of the kingdom of God on planet earth until the Lord returns as King of kings and Lord of lords. At that point, we, just, we continue in our service to Him. But while he's away, while he's interceding at the right hand of the Father, right now praying for you, so he's making intercession for you right where you are, until he comes back, we're it. And so it's our job to partner with God. Not partner with destruction. Partner with God. Beck, are you coming up? I want to ask you if you will. Listen to the words of that song Fraser sang. And freedom, oh freedom. Well, that's just some people talking. He said it doesn't really mean anything. Your prison is walking through this world all alone. Your prison is walking through this world all alone. That's true. Desperado, why don't you come to your senses? Come down from your fences. 
those high places we like to be in charge and open the gate. It may be raining, but there's a rainbow above you. You better let somebody love you before it's too late. That's the invitation. This Jesus that we serve loves you and you need to partner with him. If you don't, you're going to have a tendency to partner with destruction. And he does not want that for you today. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. If you've never taken the step to partner with Jesus and you find yourself here desperate without hope, like that song, Desperado, I'd like to challenge you to pray this prayer right where you are. Dear Jesus, I fully realize that I'm a sinner. I've broken all your laws. Please forgive me for my sin and my sinfulness. Please cleanse me up from the filth of my life. Lord, forgive me and cleanse me. Jesus, I need a new partner. Would you now please come into my life to be the controlling partner that I desperately need? And if you prayed that seriously, tell him how much you appreciate it. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for coming to live within me just now. Thank you for setting me free from my debt of sin. Lord, give me your power now to live this new life with you as my new partner. If you prayed that today and you meant it, I'm no, I won't point you out. I'm not calling you forward. I'm not going to do any of that. I just want to know, is there anybody here that prayed that prayer this morning? Okay. I want to ask you to stand. At the end of the service this morning, I'm going to have some of our prayer partners stay, if you will, down front for a while. Because uh, I began to notice that it's sometimes easier to deal with those things after the service. So our prayer partners will be here for a season be able to talk with you if that if it's a troubling of your heart but we'll also pray with you now we're just going to sing a song of worship and if you'd like to respond to the Lord in some way maybe you just need to put the past behind maybe you need to bring and bring an offering a sacrifice of yourself to the Lord whatever you need to do we'll give you just a few minutes